Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour, a ministry of Mission Go. I'm Brian Albrecht, the President Emeritus and Director of Canada's National Bible Hour, and we are trying to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And Canada's National Bible Hour is one of our ministries to share the good news of the gospel around the world. Today, a verse is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 103, verse 1, which says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. The important word here is holy, where to bless his holy name. God is a holy God. He's without sin. He is perfect. There's nothing around him that is unclean. And the problem that we have is that we are unclean. We are sinners by nature and by act. And because of that, we are disqualified for God's presence. But God made a way. He gave us his perfect gift, the Lord Jesus, who came to earth and bore our sins and took our place. And because he died there and shed his own blood for our sins and rose again on the third day, when we ask him to become part of our life, then we become believers in Christ and our sins are forgiven and we become holy. Then we have a Savior and we can say, Bless the Lord, all my soul, because we're so thankful for all the things that he has done for us. Undeserved work that Christ did on the cross for us. He shed his own blood for us. What a great blessing. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Alex and Suzanne Sarin, who have a wonderful ministry in Lyon, France. Alex has been the pastor there for several years, and um, they've been home on furlough, and so they've had a wonderful time to travel from place to place. And I think they told me yesterday they were in 40 different states Mm -hmm. trying to raise their support. God has really blessed them, and now they have just returned back to the fields. Why don't you tell us about the church, how things are going now that you're back in uh, France? We are planting a church in the 7th district of Lyon, France. Lyon is the second largest urban area of France behind Paris, but certainly the most beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And this church has been going on for uh, 18 years. It was a church plant that was started from scratch by a small team of Presbyterian missionaries. And uh, we are in the process of continuing that work, hopefully Uh, And eventually we'll achieve uh, um, self-sufficiency as a church, but we're not there yet. So it's still a small church, about 50 people on Sundays. The church went uh, well while we were not there, which is uh, really an answer to prayer. Great blessing. (laughs) Yes, very encouraging. Uh, There's some steady growth, although it's it's, uh, slow, and so we're continuing. Yeah, you just uh, relocated uh, the church just recently. Depends what you call recently. Uh, 
six years ago, we outgrew the small storefront location we'd been renting for the previous six years. And uh, we did not know where we were going to, to, to find a better place. And uh, the Lord opened a door in, a, in the basement of a Catholic church building. Um, <laughs> we've had to meet there for the last six years. It's, uh, it's uh, slightly better than the storefront in the sense that it's a bit bigger, but it's less accessible, less visible, obviously, uh, less uh, functional in a sense. And uh, But the good news is we've almost outgrown that space. Uh -huh. So we are looking and have been looking for a few years now a building that we could call our own. Well, I noticed from some of your uh, prayers and things that you've had a lot of outreaches into the community. I know you've had some big events that you've been able to be a, a part of. Why don't you uh, tell us about those things? Our outreach efforts are very diverse. Uh, we try all kinds of different things. But one thing we've been doing in the last few years is we've been putting on uh, debates in public venues, in a particular public venue, which is the coffee shop that's down the street from where our church meets. And uh, what we do in those events is we uh, try to address common objections to Christianity. So we've talked about whether the Bible was reliable, uh, whether science disproves the existence of God, whether uh, you can believe in God and, uh, when there's so much suffering in the world and so on. Uh, every time we have a short talk on the, on the topic and then we open it up for discussion and questions from the audience. We usually uh, print out uh, a few thousand tracts that we hand out in the neighborhood in the weeks beforehand. And that's a great opportunity to, to just uh, meet people in the neighborhood and even there start talking with people on the streets. Every time people have come because, we've, because they received a tract, at least a few people have come because they received a tract. And we see these events really as a way to establish contacts with, uh, with new people. Mm. Uh, to be honest, we, we don't see those events as places where we expect people to become Christians on the spot. Mm -hmm. uh, we do try and, and make sure we share the gospel in the, in the course of the presentation, but uh, we're trying to uh, establish those relationships. And what we're really trying to do eventually is bring people into contact with the Word of God. Mm -hmm. um, we have seen people come to, to, to the Lord in, in the last few years every time it's been because they've sat down and studied scripture with us, often in a one-on-one -on -one, uh, setting. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, Suzanne, tell us about your ministry. I know you're a mom of six children. Yes, so they are my first priority and my first ministry. But um, my dad was a French chef, and he passed out a lot of his knowledge to me, and so I enjoy cooking. So we use we have do a lot of hospitality, have people into the home. We have a lot of young girls in the church that have never known what a Christian home is from, that have come from abusive situations. And so they'll come and spend the weekend with us. And a lot of my ministry is just living life and cooking and talking with them as we do that and showing them what a Christian home and family looks like. Wow. So a lot of counseling has gone on just in those more informal settings. Well, and you've just found a new home that, that yes. gives you a bigger ministry opportunity. Yes, we're very excited because we used to have to live far from the city and it was a long commute. And now people can come to us much easier. There's city buses that come to us and there is more room. So we're very excited about the opportunities that will allow us to have. Well, I think the Lord's really blessing you and uh, really thankful for, uh, for your ministry. And uh, we continue to pray for you. And I'm so thankful for the blessing. Uh, the radio audience probably doesn't know this, but um, when they are on deputation, 
out west, they had an accident where their their car rolled over with with the children in, and, and uh, no one was injured. That was a real blessing, and uh, they were able to have a, a, a second vehicle that uh, took them the rest of the way on their, their deputation. So God has really been, been with you and uh, watched over you and protected you yes. and, and helped you in a mighty way. And so, yes. and now you're back in France doing your ministry. So we're really pleased. Mm-hmm. Lord bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. This month, we would like to make available a booklet about stress written by June Hunt. June asked the question how to cope at the end of your rope. Are you at your breaking point? Are the effects of an overcommitted schedule weighing you down? Do you feel that if you have just one more pressure added to your life, you will break? You need to know. Stress begins in the mind. There are physical warning signs of stress. Stress can be paralyzing, but stress can also be a motivator. Prayer, exercise, music, humor, and even pets can reduce stress. If we are not careful, stress can come between us and our relationship with God. Discover the biblical approach to stress and allow the right thinking to transform your mind. God wants to be your source of calm in stressful situations. To order your copy of the booklet Stress Written by June Hunt, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, on L2R7A7, or in the U.S., Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is a listener-supported program and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners. For any more questions, you can email us at media at missiongo.org. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the sky, for the love which from our birth over Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning. Printed copies are available upon request. Centuries ago, the prophet Micah was moved by the Spirit of God to write these words. In the last days it shall come to pass, 
that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow into it. Before we go any further, let me remind you that the term mountain is frequently used in the scriptures to symbolize a kingdom. The term was used in this sense by Micah. He was saying, in effect, in the last days, the kingdom of the house of the Lord, or kingdom of heaven, which is God's abode, shall be established in the top or above all other kingdoms known to men, and people shall flow into it. Then went on, and many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall set everyone under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. If you'd like to read Micah's statement more carefully for yourself, You'll find it in the Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. I'd like to continue now from where we left off last week, our discussion of what the Bible tells us about the kingdom that Jesus Christ will establish on this earth when he returns. I want to examine today the physical and social and spiritual conditions that would be characteristic of that golden age of the future. First, there are some basic facts stated in the scriptures which we should have clearly fixed in our minds. First, the Bible emphatically and repeatedly declares that Christ will someday return and establish his kingdom of heaven on this earth and reign a sovereign Lord and King of kings for 1,000 years. When his virgin birth was announced by the angel Gabriel, to Mary, his mother-to-be, he said, Thou shalt conceive and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Two. During his first advent, he repeatedly spoke of his future kingdom and told his disciples about the conditions that will there prevail. He urged them to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Three, his kingdom will be a literal, not a figurative or spiritual kingdom, and it will be here on this earth. Four, it will embrace the entire earth. Fifth, the headquarters will be in Jerusalem. It will be a universal theocracy. That is, Christ as God will be in complete and sovereign control. 
There are also two other aspects about which we should have a clear understanding. First, two significant terms are used to describe the kingdom. It is called the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. The first term emphasizes its nature. Christ will bring to this earth with him the very environment of heaven. His presence and the transformation he will bring about will result in a literal heaven on earth. The term kingdom of God implies the source from which Christ's kingdom will come. As he illustrated in one of his well-known parables, he's like unto a nobleman who has gone into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. It is God the Father who will give to his Son, Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven. In that sense, Christ's kingdom comes from God. At the end of Christ's thousand years reign, 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 28 says, Christ will deliver up the kingdom to God the Father, that God may be all in all. Secondly, the times when all this will happen are clearly outlined in the scriptures. When Christ was on this earth before, if his people Israel, as whose Messiah he came, would have believed on him and accepted him and acknowledged his Messiahship, he would have set up his kingdom then. But instead they rejected him and had him crucified. Even with the added proof of his deity, evidenced by his literal bodily resurrection from the dead, they still refused to believe he was their promised Messiah. God therefore sat Israel aside in spiritual blindness and turned to the Gentile world to call out of all peoples and tongues and nations another people for his name, the Church of Jesus Christ. When he completes the calling out of his church, he will remove his church from this earth in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Thessalonians, when Christ appears for his church, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The godless Antichrist will then emerge on the world scene quickly attained to a position of universal power as the supreme head of a wholly humanistic, materialistic world government. Christ, speaking of that future period when he was here, said, It will be the greatest time of trouble the world has ever known. It will end when Christ returns with his church and destroys the Antichrist at Armageddon then proceeds to establish his long-promised kingdom of heaven on this earth. At that time, the saints of the Old Testament period will be resurrected from the dead, and Christ will move to regather his people Israel from the four quarters of the earth to the rejuvenated and expanded land of Palestine, which God covenanted with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them as a homeland. They will come, Christ said, from the east and the west and the north and the south and sit down with Abram and Isaac and Jacob 
in the kingdom of heaven. All Israel in that day will acknowledge Jesus Christ as their promised Messiah. They will be the subject of his kingdom. The twelve apostles of the kingdom church established following his resurrection and before he revealed through Paul the gospel of grace to the Gentiles, will sit, Christ says in Luke 22, 29 and 30, on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. At the same time, we who are of the church of Jesus Christ, who through the love and goodness of God have been reconciled to him through the gospel of his grace, being redeemed by the blood of Christ and spiritually reborn by his spirit will not be subjects of his kingdom but rather we will reign with him as his bride because we today are living in this age of God's grace when he's calling out his church out of the masses of humanity we're predisposed to center our thoughts and interests on the role of the church and we tend to give a secondary place to the coming kingdom of Christ on this earth and all that it will mean to us and to all mankind. This is a mistake we should avoid. There is no greater and more glorious message of hope for the people of this strife-torn, troubled world than the good news that someday Christ is going to return and take over the management of this earth and then all the conditions which have and distress mankind will come to an end. Let me now direct your attention to what the Bible says about the physical and social and spiritual conditions of that coming golden age. The physical earth will undergo an amazing transformation. The prophet Isaiah says, The desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. In the wilderness shall be waters break out and streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. The light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold. Man's physical state will be drastically changed. Isaiah continues, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, or an old man that hath not filled his days. The animals also will be changed. In Isaiah 11, 6-9, God says, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion together, and the fatling together. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Social conditions will undergo an equally drastic change. Speaking of the reigning Christ, the prophet Isaiah says, With righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, 
wasting and destruction within thy borders. They shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit thereof. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth in trouble. As Christ said in his Sermon on the Mount, they that mourn shall be comforted, and the meek shall inherit the earth. The scriptures also speak of the moral and spiritual conditions on earth during Christ's millennial reign. In Jeremiah 31, God says, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them. Speaking to the house of Israel, he says in Ezekiel 11, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where ye have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel, and I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them, that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people, I will be their God. What an age that will be. You know, when you look around at the world today, so full of violence and immorality and godlessness of every kind, it's almost beyond comprehension how it will someday be so completely transformed that as we read at the outset of this talk, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Such is the supernatural transforming power of God, and such is God's intention. No wonder Christ urged his disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer will be literally answered when Jesus Christ returns with his church and establishes his kingdom of heaven on this earth. The divine resurrected Christ, who will work that matchless transformation when he takes over the management of this earth, can and will work a comparable transformation in your life if you will turn its management over to him. That is precisely what he's asking you to do in this great age of God's amazing grace. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out, but I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither is any man able to pluck them out of my hand. My friend, have you ever responded to his invitation? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life and be your personal Savior? Will you invite him into your life today? Remember, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. May God bless you. I know that you enjoyed the message that we just heard. I trust that God will use his word in your life this week. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're really concerned that people that listen to our broadcast have a clear 
opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. You know, the Bible teaches that there's two ways. There's a narrow way and there's a broad way. The broad way leads to destruction, unfortunately, but the narrow way leads to Christ. The problem that man has is the fact that we have a holy God and we are separated from him because we are sinners by act and by our own nature. And so therefore we need a savior. And the savior, of course, is God who became man, who went to the cross after living a sinless life and died there on our behalf. And so the gospel was really John 3:16. for God so loved, he loved the whole world that he gave. He gave us the perfect gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, that whosoever means anyone, everyone could receive Christ as our savior they want to have a personal relationship with him, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, go to hell, but have eternal life. That's the gospel. And so every person needs to know Christ personally. And you do that by asking him to come into your life. And you can bow your head and say a simple prayer and ask Jesus to come into your life. And the Bible tells us that if you're sincere and if you act in faith, you believe that Christ died for your sins, that you will be saved. Remember to order your copy of the booklet Stress written by June Hunt. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, on L2R7A7 or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is a listener-supported program and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners. Visit our website at www.missiongo.org or email us at media at missiongo.org. Please remember us in your prayers.